1: Bodies here as well i don't know if i'm mentally here yet hmm. well you're telling the story now so uh, you better yeah, mentally. Better just get back in it you got to yeah got well we're back in my apartment this week so as always there are animals here and weird heat
0: <laughs> yes the do, 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 heat um a very fat
1: cat yep um she's curled up by the window yeah
0: at least you know she's she actually did scare me one time i know she I jumped off and was like on the back of my neck and scared the hell out of me <laughs> and then of course uh your dog just always wants to snuggle with me yes the yeah. dog loves so, loves, holly. loves holly yeah yeah so know. you know i'm I'm like the animal whisperer
1: i know i'm like well you don't have animals at home
0: i no, we don't um I'm sure my little one would love that, mm-hmm. but that's just, like, more to it's take so care of. It's so much work. Oh, my gosh. There's so much work. It's enough to, to work and take care of my family,
1: which yeah, less, like, a lot. another animal. So. I know. I know, and Callie's, like, trying to knock Currently over the mic. moving my microphone. <laughs> She's pouting because I won't let her on the couch. Yeah. So, hopefully, she will take a lovely little nap right there She's, and I hope leave so. us alone. Gosh. She's so cute, though. She is
0: cute. She's just a nightmare. Hey, life is rough. Get
1: it? R O O F. Roof. Oh, that's roof. That is roof. (laughs) (laughs) Life is roof. Life is roof. Life is roof. How about R U F F? Rough. Mm. Not roof. I like it. I think that should be our new catchphrase. Life is roof. Life is roof. There's the heat. Here it comes. So the furnace makes like a bang, or it sometimes does when it goes, um, when it comes on in the middle of the night. And it used to really scare the cats, but they're used to it now. So there's the whooshing, there's the popping. So when there's gunfire in your apartment,
0: they think it's the heat. Yeah. Uh, well, that's how you cover it mm-hmm. up. I see. Yeah, um, makes sense
1: now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm intrigued about oh, this episode today. Yeah. So it is a wild one. Okay. And like I said, it kind of starts out in Appalachia and then mm-hmm. it's going to move a little bit outside. But some of the, the crimes did happen in Appalachia, so I wanted to include it. Awesome. And it's just fascinating. I'm excited about it. So we are going to be covering Donald Harvey this okay. week. Also known as the Angel of Death. Well, that's not
0: starting out well.
1: <laughs> okay, so Donald Harvey was born in Butler County, Ohio. Okay. In nineteen fifty two. Shortly after Harvey's family moved to Boonville, Kentucky. Okay. And this is a really, really small community in the eastern part of the Appalachian Mountains. Gotcha. Harvey's mother um, told a a reporter in an interview in 1987 that Harvey was brought up in, you know, a really good, loving home. He was a very good boy. His principal um, in elementary school even said in that kind of same interview that Harvey was always well-dressed and clean. He was happy. He socialized well with other kids. was overall just this really happy, normal kid who always had a smile on his face okay now when you think serial killers right right
0: you usually hear things like bad childhood um significant trauma Mm -hmm. you know like maybe they were abused like they came to school with bruises they were Mm -hmm. disheveled and usually they were withdrawn kept to themselves didn't usually explain them as like social and sweet and happy and all these things
1: yeah. Um, That's odd. It is really weird, but yeah. What a turn of events. For the most part, he was, you know, like this. Now, his classmates did say that he was kind of a loner mm-hmm. in school, but okay. he was a teacher's pet. So, you know, uh-huh. I, I he understand. didn't have, I mean, I kind of was that way, too, of, like, I always wanted to please adults. And, mm-hmm. like, I was I was really good at school. Mm-hmm. Wasn't necessarily as good at, you know, making friends. And I was an awkward kid. Okay. and that you know kind of what? Thing.
0: You've made the best friend you need in life.
1: She's right here on this couch. That's all you need. <laughs> I fine. definitely have gotten better at um, social interactions as an adult. <laughs> God, I
0: need to be more humble. Listen to that. Look at you. My head is so big, these earphones won't even fit on. Like, <laughs> listen to that. I was a teacher's pet though too. Yeah. I, I loved to make friends. I was a super social kid. Mm-hmm. But I also just wanted to please grown-ups. So I get where he comes from, totally.
1: Right. So he wasn't really the type of kid that participated in, like, the extracurricular activities. You know, he didn't Mm. really play sports. He wasn't in any clubs or anything like that. Which is, you know, fine. Some kids aren't. Totally. Um, But he was pretty smart Um, in high school. He got mostly A's and B's. But kind of got bored with the routine of school and all that. And he actually decided to drop out. So he dropped out and he didn't really have a whole lot of a plan going on. Um, so he ended up getting a factory job in Cincinnati, Ohio.
0: And that's relatively close, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, to where, um, it's kind of where he was. It wasn't too, too far, okay. but you know, Cincinnati is a bigger city. Yeah, it's actually really a nice yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. So he went up there and got this factory job. Now, in 1970, he was actually laid off from the factory because you know, things had slowed down and they just didn't need as many people, so he was laid off. Um... Around this time, his mother actually called him and told him that he needed to come home so he could visit his grandfather who was sick and in the hospital and not doing well. Sorry, let me silence my phone like I'm in the movie theater. This does need to
0: be like the movies I was going to say. That's
1: bad. Sorry. I should have started this
0: out um, with please silence your phones. Silence your phones. Coke is waiting for you in the you know, In the lobby. In the lobby and a nice popcorn. Oh
1: my gosh. Enjoy the movie. <laughs> I, it was my aunt texting me.
0: Oh. Mm-hmm. This actually is, is bringing me back to last week when the aunt... Uh,
1: Paged. We oh, my gosh. Paged. Yeah, no, she did not page me. She texted me. Um, just, she does listen to the podcast. Um, so, hi, Gail. How are you? Hi,
0: Gail. You just thanks made for it a, listening. Made an
1: appearance in the podcast. And she probably was like, I didn't want to make an appearance. Yeah, via text. Yeah. All right. So, jumping back in here. So, yes. So, he's back in Ohio. Yes, he is back. Um, and, no, he's back in Kentucky. Sorry.
0: So, he's back in Kentucky visiting his Ailing grandfather. Yes. Okay. Back
1: in Kentucky. So he, you know, went home and he actually made regular visits to see his grandfather at Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. Okay. So that's where he's at now. And he actually became really well known to the nuns that worked there and they actually offered him a job.
0: Well, I mean, it seems like his interpersonal skills have improved. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, so he actually worked as an orderly Mm -hmm. at Merrimack Hospital um, from 1970, um, May of 1970 to March of 1971. And now during his first few weeks of employment, things were pretty normal, you know, kind of learning the ropes and getting things down and figuring it all out. And a few months in, during his morning shift, Harvey would commit his first murder.
0: You know, my first thought is not a morning person. <laughs> right. Little, no, little pissy in the morning. I mean, you know, I yeah. wouldn't want to be one of the morning patients.
1: But you know, <laughs> just saying. yeah. So he um, went in to check on this stroke victim. This guy had, had a he could be a massive stroke and was recovering. And the patient got mad at him and smeared feces in his face. In Harvey's face. I mean, that would probably send me over the edge. I mean,
0: you know, not enough to murder someone, but certainly. Oh, I'd be would, I'd be
1: upset about yeah, it. I'd be mad. That's disgusting. That's that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know, like my nurse friends, this has probably happened to them. And I'm certain of it. Anybody working
0: in that You yeah, know, something field?
1: you kind of you know you don't want to happen, but.
0: It happens. It's not your go-to when you sign up to help people. <laughs> I just hope they smear poop
1: in my face. I can't
0: wait. This sounds great. Sign me <laughs> up.
1: Yeah. So this this happened. Um, and of course, he was upset. Um, he became so upset that he grabbed a pillow and smothered the guy.
0: Hmm. Those are those moments where you're using your words. <laughs> you're checking yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> you know, all those things that I try and teach and... I try and live by, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, taking a pillow and I mean, even if he was like, you SOB, how dare you do this? And walked out of the room, right? Even if he cussed him out, that would be, you know, not ideal, but preferable to, ah, here's this pillow. Let me, you know, just suffocate the guy to death.
1: I mean, I think most things would be preferable to murder, but I Um, I feel you. I feel where that's coming from. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so after he had smothered him, um, Harvey cleaned him up, cleaned the patient up, and then he showered uh, before he told the patients that the, or before he told the nurses that the patient was dead.
0: Okay, so I, I need a minute to think about this. So, poop in the face, mm-hmm. smothers him, Yep. then cleans the patient up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess he's doing his job, so yep. cleaning him up. Then he goes and says, well, I better take a shower. Yep. It showers, I guess, to get the feces off of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then he could rationalize that by saying, well, he, you know, there was feces, so if, yeah. if someone had heard him shower or something, it right. wouldn't be. Because, I mean, I don't usually shower at work. No. But, I mean, I would I guess say. if you work in that field.
1: That may be a more, I don't know. I, I don't nurse know. nurse listeners, do you shower at work?
0: Yeah. Yeah, or if you get, like, blood on you or anything like that. Um, or do you just kind of wipe do you it down shower? and move on do you, with you your Yeah, way? do you do a nice good thing? I can't imagine they would have time to shower. I wouldn't think That's so It's That's a demanding. It position. really is. So let us know. Let us know, nurses. Okay, so yeah. he has uh, feces, smothered, cleaned, mm-hmm. and taken a shower. Yep. And so now he
1: tells the nurses. Yep, that the patient's dead. Okay. So um, no one questioned how the guy died. They never were, like... Oh, well, this is weird. They just all assumed it was a complication from the stroke. Okay. And um, that he had just died. Which, I mean, it would make possible. sense. I yeah. mean, well, I walk in and, you know, someone who's had this massive stroke and has all these issues is dead. I don't think my first thought's going to be like, oh, I bet he was murdered.
0: Well, and this is the early 70s, so they probably don't, he's probably not hooked up to as many monitors mm-hmm. that is, like, at the nurse's station. So right. they can't be monitoring this. Yeah, they're not stuff.
1: knowing exactly what's going on okay. all the time. Makes sense. Yeah. So, he, you know, obviously wasn't caught because, you know, no one thought there was any foul play here. So, three weeks later, um, he committed another murder. And he actually unhooked an oxygen tank from an elderly woman. And she died. And after that, uh, since no one suspected anything was going on, uh, he killed several more people. He used various items like plastic bags, morphine, and some other drugs to kill over 12 patients. Okay, okay. I we gotta rewind for just yeah, a yeah, second. Yeah. Okay, I, okay, we can back it up. All
0: right, so all right, the old lady mm-hmm. didn't someone say? Um, oh no, her oxygen tank. She's not connected. Oh no, like it must have accidentally come off, or
1: yeah. he
0: could have unplugged it and she died, and then he put it back in. Oh, that's true. That's true. And then um, the plastic bag scenario, <laughs> just like, got my Walmart bag handy. This looks good. <laughs> um, and then the morphine. So being an orderly, he wasn't, and again, this is the 70s and things were different, but usually medication is monitored by the nurses, doctors, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. CNAs, orderlies. They don't touch the medication. They're not allowed to. I don't know how it was in the 70s, but how did he get morphine?
1: I mean, I would imagine that it's not, you know, the opioid crisis was, wasn't was really going on at this point. I mean, I'm just, sure things were just happening. Went in the med room. But, yeah, just walked in and grabbed a vial. Or it was left out or, like, you know, there was or it was on a cart pump. or it was a pump or could change it. something. Like, he didn't, he just used it. And so with all these deaths,
0: did anybody at the hospital say, um,
1: Mm-mm. really? No, I mean, because they were, you know, they were older, they were sick, and, you know, things happen. You know, it's unfortunate, but... So all of these were older
0: individuals. From
1: what I can understand, there's not really a... I couldn't find, like, a master list of... Dang it, Haley. ...all the, the like, demographics of everybody. That was your everybody. one job. I know.
0: I, I sent know. you a text, and it said, master list <laughs> of...
1: Murder victims. Of
0: murder victims' age, gender, all these things. That's mm-hmm. all you had to do. I know I messed up. Ugh. I messed up. No,
1: if I find one, I will make okay. sure to post it Please so do. y'all I'm can look at it. That. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I didn't find one. Okay, I'm detail oriented. I need these things. <laughs> I will. I'll look for you. Don't Thank worry. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's killed now over you know twelve people. His last murder at Marymount was his most brutal. So just brace yourselves, friends, because this one, I had to take a minute afterwards because it, it upset me greatly. <laughs> and it's not funny, but I'm just nervous laughing because it's just a I'm like, my heart's in my chest. Like, oh, God, what are they doing now? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go through this pretty quick because it's a lot. Um, a patient became upset with Harvey and accused him of trying to kill him. Which I mean, I mean you know, there's no he might have to that. Been yeah. Trying to. Um, and he actually hit Harvey with a bedpan and knocked him out. And and back in the day it wasn't plastic. No, these, these were are like the ceramic bedpans. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just knocked him over the head. Anyway, he's knocked out. So he, you know, comes to and gets, you know, taken care of. Now later that night, after Harvey had recovered, he sneaks back into the patient's room. He takes a coat hanger. I'm assuming, like you know, the wire coat hangers. Mm-hmm. You know, takes it apart, sticks it up through the man's catheter. Just <laughs> take a second. We've both crossed our legs. It's just Ooh. yeah. So obviously, this causes some puncturing, and I'm nervous laughing still. It's not funny, but I don't know how else to process this. It causes a puncture and then causes a massive infection. Because you don't know what's on that hanger. That's a sensitive area. Big infection, and the guy actually died a few days later from the infection.
0: Was the man not able to speak? I mean, because he would see this being
1: done to him, right? I assume not. Or, you know, maybe it just happened so quickly and he was. I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah, I told you. It's
0: not great. And that's another thing. No one happened to say, oh my gosh, this poor man, his genitals are mutilated, I know. basically. <laughs> Like yeah, no, no. That's that's another check your genitals. PSA. Check those genitals. Yeah,
1: yeah. Don't yeah no coat hangers need to stay away from catheters. Catheters. <laughs> that's oh. just oh, ha, ha. oh. oh. yeah. Ooh, that's a horrible way to die. Yeah.
0: Oh god, this it's, guy is escalating.
1: Yeah, it's not oh. great. So um, yeah, that was his last murder there at Marymount, and. He was uh, then arrested for burglary on march thirty first and for being drunk in public. So he had like wow. a wild night, had some burglary happen, gets arrested. And now, while being questioned, he starts you know babbling on about these murders he's committed at the hospital. And he was questioned. But there wasn't really any, I mean, there's no evidence mm-hmm. to charge him for anything. And of course, once he sobered up, you know, he stopped talking. So they just kind of chalked it up to like drunk ramblings. Drunk ramblings of this crazy guy. And, you know, it's just, they didn't do anything with that. Hmm. So he pled guilty to, you know, a petty theft charge the next day. And yeah. he was released after paying a fifty dollar fine. So I don't know what he stole, but it must not have been much to pay like been. a fifty, no, 50 dollar. Maybe he stole a coat hanger. Yeah, well maybe the other one he
0: couldn't find.
1: That's weird. Oh. Hmm. So the judge actually recommended that Harvey get psychiatric treatment for his troubling condition. Good job, Judge. Um and I think, you know, Harvey had some depression going on and some other issues going on. So the judge was like, I mean, you're rambling about murdering people. You should probably have some treatment. Because he didn't believe him either. Right. I mean, he didn't believe that he was actually killing people.
0: And maybe um, even he thought um, maybe he has some kind of psychiatric disorder where he's like seeing things, hearing things that haven't happened. It's like imaginary. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Could
1: have been any of that. Right. So um, Harvey said no thanks to the the psychiatric treatment. Um, Why was that an option? Yeah, it was just a recommendation. Oh, oh, It was not a, like, hey, go do this. Because it's just there for petty theft. You can't, like... Oh, man. So he was like, I mean, yeah, you should do that. And he's like, no, it's all right. (laughs) So he uh, decides that he's going to join the Air Force instead. That's better. And goes and does that. Well, he only um, served 10 months before he was prematurely discharged in March of 1972 on unspecified grounds. Dishonorably discharged? I don't think so. I think he was just kind of told, like, hey, not for you. Yeah, thanks, but... Thanks for ten months. Yeah. We'll see you in we'll, we'll fly our own planes. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Was kind of mm. his, uh, his deal. So... He then decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to Kentucky. And he was committed twice to the VA's medical center in Lexington from July 16th to August 25th. This is all in 1972. Um, And then again from September 17th to October 17th. And he was committed due to a, quote unquote, morbid condition. So... Depression. Okay. So, yeah. He was was having, he suicidal? I think he had had some behavior that would have suggested that. I don't okay. think he'd made any attempts or anything. But he had ideation. But had some ideation and things okay. like that going on. Okay. So, he was committed. His family was in, like, full support of this. Like, yes, he needs to get treatment. Yeah. Now, we all know that mental health care wasn't great in the 70s. Yeah. So he was, you know, the whole placed in restraints thing often. He did actually attempt suicide while he was there. Mm. And he was subjected to 21 electroshock therapy treatments.
0: Yeah. Now called electroconvulsive therapy Mm -hmm. treatments.
1: Yeah. So, and they are not really used anymore in certain, like, really specific Mm -hmm. scenarios very heavily medically monitored it is still used but yes it is very monitored and
0: it's not their the the first go-to it's kind of a last case scenario yeah
1: there's a lot of research on it and you know i don't know a whole whole lot about it so i don't know where i fall on it but it's a it's a thing it's not really it's not used now like it was oh no, no no not at all it was used uh All the time. It was like, you got some depression, shock him. Yeah, yeah, that'll help. The
0: idea is that, you know, they'll get, the brainwaves are essentially out of sorts, and that by shocking the body, it gets the Mm -hmm. brainwaves back into a normal rhythm.
1: Right. I mean, it obviously doesn't work on certain conditions. Right. So, it wasn't going to work on on him. Well, and that's traumatic as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a super traumatic Because you're awake, I mean, it's not like you're... Right, Not sedated for it or anything. So, um, obviously, none of these did anything to improve his condition. Mm. And he was released from the hospital. Gotcha. So, he then uh, moved on to work as a part-time nurse's aide at Cardinal Hill Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. Now, in June of 1973, he actually took a second job working at the Good Samaritan Hospital, also in Lexington, And he kept both of those jobs until August of 1974, when he took another job as a telephone operator and then as a clerical, like assistant at St. Luke's hospital in Fort Thomas, Kentucky. So he is hopping and bouncing around at this particular time. Now psychologists who looked into this case and interviewed Harvey think that he switched jobs so much during this time was because he didn't have access to patients. And was not able Um. to kill, you know. So, like, most serial killers, they're believing that he is, you know, an opportunistic Mm. killer. And so, you know, he didn't have access, so...
0: He was looking to get his foot in the door of these hospitals. So that maybe then he could, you know,
1: advance Mm -hmm. to patient care. Patient care. And that wasn't happening for him. Good. So, he decided at that point, you know, okay done with this. So in September of 1975, he moved to Cincinnati, Ohio and got a job working on the night shift at um, a hospital there. Oh. And he didn't really have a specific job, which makes me curious as to what kind of operation we're running here. Um, so he did weird things like you know, he was a nursing assistant, he was a housekeeping aide, He was a cardiac catheterization tech, and also an autopsy assistant. (laughs) So he just did a little bit of everything on the night shift.
0: (laughs) We need somebody to take out the trash, make sure that this place is all cleaned up, could you pass me that? We're gonna take care of this cadaver now. Um, you know, <laughs> we're gonna, you know, take care of this for catheter a needle and, into somebody's heart. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. He's he's well equipped. He can do it all. His yeah, references say it. They
1: were great. And he actually did have good references. That is insane. Because, like, for all everybody knew, yeah, he was a good, you know, nurse's aide. Oh my god. So, yeah, he's got all these weird jobs that he's doing, and since he worked the night shift, Mm. he didn't have a whole lot of supervision, and he also had unlimited access to the hospital. Mm. So, over the next, you know, little bit, he killed around 15 patients. I
0: mean, why not? You know, it's the night. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of slow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's
1: that heat again.
0: (laughs) So, we have established he is neither a night nor morning person. <laughs> right. No, he's just a no-time-of-day person. Maybe he should have a second shift job. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe middle he, of the day. Afternoon kind of
1: thing. Yeah. yeah that yeah. would be good hours yeah, for yeah. him, maybe. I think so. Yeah. So, he actually kept a diary of his crimes and took notes on every victim. He detailed how he murdered them and some of the ways that he killed patients. i we'll was just gonna run through a master list here. Okay. He These all, you know, are methods of how he killed them. Gotcha. So this includes pressing a plastic bag and wet towel over the mouth and nose, sprinkling rat poison in a patient's dessert, adding arsenic and cyanide to orange juice, injecting cyanide into an intravenous tube, injecting cyanide into a patient's buttocks. Just to name a few. What the heck? Heck. Yeah. Wow. And we're gonna ke- we're gonna keep going here because we're gonna kill some more people. while We're doing this. Um, he gets to really liking this whole cyanide and arsenic thing. Yeah. Gets to being like, like that's it's that's the way thing. to go. Well, it's it takes less energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and while he was you know doing all this killing, he was reading medical journals to help with his technique. Well, I mean, he is educating himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you,
0: we're all about research here. We are. We yeah. like it. So, I mean, he's he's learning how to be a good killer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, over the years, um, he somehow managed to collect over 30 pounds of cyanide. How does one do that? And where does one
0: store that? Like, oh, no, you can't sit there. That's where my cyanide is. So, funny you should ask.
1: He did this by stealing from the hospital, and he kept all the cyanide in his home for safekeeping. And he would uh, go and mix vials of it, and and arsenic, some of that too, um, at home, and he would bring them to work. Mm. And then he would mix it in with the victim's food, or put it in their gastric tubes if they had one.
0: Well, of course. As one does. You know, I think he needed a hobby. He did. Maybe some crocheting. Maybe mm-hmm. go out for a drink mm-hmm. with the buddies.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he just really liked uh, chemistry. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Using those skills. Yeah, he really was. Excellent.
0: Okay, um. If the school principal could see him now. Yeah,
1: he'd be so proud. He would. <laughs> <laughs> In 1980, Harvey found love. Oh, God, did he kill her? Him! Oh, our good old pal Harvey is gay. Well, good for Harvey. Yeah, so he moved in with Carl How Howler. I think that's how you say it. Okay, I'm not one hundred percent sure. Anyway, moves in with Carl, um, and Harvey decided uh, then that he would uh, begin poisoning Carl no. out of oh. fear that he was cheating on him. Didn't really have didn't have evidence. Was just like you know what, he's going to cheat on me, so I have to poison him.
0: Well, that's that theory of I'm going to leave you before you leave me. (laughs)
1: Right. Wow. Which is my MO, just by the way. Um, Anyway, um, Harvey would put small doses of arsenic into Carl's food so that he would become too sick to leave their apartment. So, you know, he's so sick, can't leave, can't cheat. Yeah, that's true. Can't leave me. Yeah. That was what he was going with. So, Harvey, you know, he started to get pretty confident that he was never going to be caught. And he actually laced a neighbor's drink with hepatitis serum, which, I not know, that was a thing, after an argument. Dear God, anybody in his, like, path, like,
0: don't piss him off. No, because he's going to
1: try to kill you. Or
0: even if he thought you may piss him off in Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, uh, I looked at you, and I thought that next week you were probably going to, you know, say something offensive
1: to me, so Mm -hmm. I went ahead and took you out. Went ahead and took care of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it nearly killed her, but she was actually able to get treatment and recovered. Good. Now, of course, she didn't know why she got... Hepatitis. Hepatitis. So she just assumed, you know, maybe from food or yeah. whatever. Um, so, <laughs> a drink. <you> know. <laughs> or a drink, yeah. So she recovers. And another neighbor of his, um, Helen Metzger, died after Harvey put arsenic in a pie she made. And I don't know what she did to piss him off, but put arsenic God. in her pie. And killed her. That's the worst. Yeah. The arsenic and pie. Now, in April of 1983, so we're three years ahead now, mm-hmm. Harvey had an argument with Carl's parents and began to poison their food with arsenic. Well, why not? Just you know. why? Yeah, why not? You know,
0: that's the epitome of not really caring for the in-laws. Mm-hmm. You know? like
1: Yeah. And on May 1st of 1983, Carl's father actually suffered a stroke and was admitted to Providence Hospital. And a Harvey visited him there, and he put arsenic in his pudding. And Carl's father died that night. Huh. So, you know, has a stroke. It's in the hospital. Dies from pudding.
0: You and know, if so, it's not a good pudding, I mean, have you tried some hospital food? I have. It's not, That's not good. It's not. not great. So... It, is this because he saw his dad suffering and he was like, I just want to help him check out
1: of here early? He... I mean, some people think that that might be... Like mercy killing? That mm-hmm. might have been his whole thing. Or maybe that's what it started. Well, it didn't start as that. It started with the stroke guy and he smeared the pieces yeah. on him. But I think he just did it because he wanted to. As a thrill. As a thrill. He can't stop himself mm-hmm. at this point. And he's not getting caught, so why That's would he? That's true, and he's probably getting pretty cocky.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. So Harvey continued to poison Carl's mother, on and off for the next year, but he was unsuccessful in killing her. Okay. And in January of 1984, uh, Carl finally decided, you know, this is uh this is not going well, and broke off their relationship. Yeah. And asked Harvey to move out because you know they shared a oh, apartment. No. Now, Harvey spent the next two years trying to kill Carl. And he even tried to kill one of Carl's friends as just kind of like revenge. Like, oh, I'll kill your friends, too. Um, but he was unsuccessful in both attempts. He was not able to kill Carl or Carl's friend. Good. Yeah. No. Wow. Carl, you are so lucky. Yeah, Carl, I'm glad you're living. Uh, me, uh, if you too. you still are, because, Ooh, man, Carl, oh, man. You dodged some bullets there, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Yep. Now, on July 18th of 1985, Harvey was stopped by security guards after he was noticed acting suspiciously. Mm. And these guards decided they were going to search his gym bag. And when they did, they found a 38 caliber pistol, hypodermic needles, surgical scissors and gloves, a cocaine spoon, medical books, two occult books, and a biography of serial killer Charles Soba I don't even I don't even want to try. S O B H R A J. Hmm. Sobaj. Sobaj? Much. So much? Something. I don't know. And i not yeah, I
0: don't know. I, don't, I, yeah, I, don't I know feel about like you. his gym bag is mm. like all of our episodes put together. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's it's really a it's a bag of of many colours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't I mean that's not what I keep in my gym bag. I don't have a gym bag.
0: I mean, I just go to the gym. Right. I bring my water and I go to the gym.
1: Yeah. And my mask. I used to have a, when I was, you know, dancing, I used to um, have, like, a dance bag I'd take with me to class. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there was, like, weird stuff in there all the time. Like, lots of painkillers and scissors and tape and... (laughs) Yes. Like, lamb's wool... And yeah, that shoved in a bag in yeah. there.
0: I mean that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah.
1: But I mean I didn't have occult books. Weird, weird stuff going on in the gym bag. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, fined fifty dollars for carrying the gun on federal property. Like I don't <laughs> know. like
0: it's like that sounds like a good amount. Yeah,
1: fifty dollars, that's what we're going with. Gosh, so yeah, got a fine for carrying was a recession. <laughs> the gun on federal property. Um, and then he was given the choice to resign from his job quietly, rather than being fired. Because now they're like, well, this guy's weird. But again, they're not suspecting that he's killed anybody. They're just like, those weird guys got a gun Son, on our property. you want to walk out of here quietly? You want us to fire you. Or do you want us to fire you. That's where, you know. And he decided, yeah, I'm just gonna leave. Um... And no one opened any kind of investigation to see if he had committed any other crimes at the hospital. We're just like, yeah, it's a weird dude's got a gun and, like, books on the occult and serial killers. and Which I mean, like, I've read books on the occult and serial killers, but I don't, right. you know... It's merely research. For right. Maybe he was an
0: early podcaster.
1: Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's... Maybe they thinking, so. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um... Now in February of 1986, Harvey got yet another job at a local hospital. Of course he did. He had great references. He was hired as a part-time nurse's aide at Drake Memorial Hospital in Cincinnati. And now, his employers there, of course, were unaware of what had happened at his previous job. And Harvey was soon promoted to a full-time position. And over the next 13 months, Harvey killed 23 patients. Wow. Now, he killed them by disconnecting life support machines, injecting air into the veins, which is a very painful way to die, Mm. um, suffocation, and injecting arsenic, cyanide, and petroleum-based cleaners into their bodies. Boy. Anything he could kind of come up with. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's crafty. Yeah, he's he's got some, you know, he's doing the thing. Young man's got initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So authorities finally became suspicious of Harvey. Really? Yeah, finally. It's it just only took been
0: 16 years.. Yeah. okay. It took in, uh, till
1: 1987 and in oh, the April years. month. yeah there. Um, after the death of John Powell. Now Powell had been comatose, or comatose for several months, but he had started to recover. and then all of a sudden died. So they decided, hey, let's do an autopsy. Now, during the autopsy, the assistant coroner noticed a faint scent of almonds. Which is cyanide. Yep, which is your telltale sign of cyanide. Mm -hmm. Now, authorities, of course, looked at Powell's friends and family to see if any of them could have done it. And when they were ruled out, they started looking at hospital staff who had access to Powell to see, you know any of them might have done anything and the list wasn't really that long and once they learned that good old Donald Harvey was on their list and that he had the nickname of Angel of Death which his fellow nursing aide and you know staff members gave to him because he just always seemed to be around when people died Mm. they decided we should probably uh, focus in on him a little bit that was really smart yeah. 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 Finally. You know,
0: when I think about the end, I don't think about, you know, an orderly, you know, taking mm-hmm. me to the other side. And, right. You know, but that's, yeah. That's me. Yeah. So, so finally, they get a clue. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank God. And mm-hmm. he's arrested. So they open the investigation. Okay. And in April of 1987, they search his apartment. And mm-hmm. they find a ton of evidence against him. They find jars with cyanide and arsenic books on the occult and poison now I don't think that you know we always like to throw in the books on the occult thing no. as like a a reason as a you know piece of evidence you could have books on the occult and not be a murder right um but you know the the books on the poison kind of you know help seal that deal a little bit yeah the thirty pounds of cyanide don't do it yeah, too. lots of the cyanide was there um. And they also, you know, found a detailed account of every murder in the diary. Yeah, so I, that mean, helps. I think that that's the
0: that's the clincher. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I just want to ask: mm-hmm. when he and Carl were living together, mm-hmm. Carl never said "honey." Um. So I I, I found this thirty pounds of what <laughs> appears to be cyanide. Maybe we should talk. We don't talk enough you know so
1: I don't think that he had the 30 pounds of it when, when they were limited. they were together I mean I assume he had some or maybe he was, he was good at hiding right he was you know obviously okay. poisoning Carl and his family so yeah he had access to it yeah it was a lot um so was a smoking gun Harvey was then arrested on gun. one count of murder one and a plea because right now it's only that's what they can it's prove. only this guy yeah, yeah. We don't know about the other ones yet. Okay. We just know about... I Even though we read it guy. in the diary. We've read it in the diary, but we don't have anything about okay. it. So a plea was filed um, for of not guilty by reason of insanity. But he was held under a $200,000 bond. And however, the evidence was growing rapidly. And investigators started to look into other weird deaths that Harvey had been around. And Harvey realized that they were about to uncover a whole lot of murders and decided that he should probably try to make a plea bargain so he could avoid the death penalty himself. Mm. So on August 11th of 1987, Harvey, who was then 35. So he's young. Wow. He's 35. He sat down with investigators and confessed to 33 murders over 17 years. Now, as the days went by and the interviews continued, the number rose to 70. Oh, my God. So investigators were a little bit skeptical about the numbers, and they wanted to have him evaluated by a psychiatrist because they just couldn't believe, like, oh, my God, this guy killed 70 people. Like, And nobody. So they were like, well, maybe he's, you know, hasn't really killed that many people, and he's just crazy and all this stuff. So they had, you know... Several psychiatric tests done on him by several different professionals. And the prosecutor's office decided, you know, once they got the results, they made a statement. And they said, this man is sane, competent, but is a compulsive killer. He builds up tension in his body, so he has to kill people.
0: Hmm. That moment so... where you could use the gym bag to actually go to the gym, yeah, get I rid mean, of some so of that many, many other like stress, yoga,
1: yeah, meditation, you know. mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they've got a punching bag, going
0: for a walk outside, yeah. maybe um, karate, yeah,
1: good swimming, yeah. Yeah. yeah, any of those would have hmm. been better Bummer. options. So, um, yeah, um, on August of 19, set, I'm gonna start again. On August 18th of 1987, Harvey pled guilty to 24 counts of aggravated murder, four counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. Hmm. I don't really know what that one was. I assume maybe for... I don't know. I don't know what that one would have been. Anyway. get gotcha. you? But, you know, anyway, still got this assault charge. Now, four days later, he was sentenced to four consecutive life sentences, And was fined $270,000. Well, they probably never got that money. But... (laughs) Yeah, I doubt it. Maybe
0: the 10 cents a day or something he makes from license plates. I don't know. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. He was then um, indicted in Kentucky on September 7th of 1987 after he confessed to 12 murders while at Marymount Hospital. And in February 1988, he... Um, entered a guilty plea for three additional murders and three attempted murders in Cincinnati. And he was never actually indicted for any of those because there was such a lack of evidence they couldn't... And they're like, well, he's already serving for... Right. It really wasn't going to do a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. So in a 1991 interview he did with a reporter from the Columbus Dispatch... Um, I'm actually going to read an excerpt from it, and I'm going to have um, Holly read the part of the reporter, and I'll I'll read read the part of good ol' Harvey. Oh, oh, hi, Harvey. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, All right, so
1: why did you kill? Well, people controlled me for 18 years, and then I controlled my own destiny. I controlled other people's lives, whether they lived or died. I had the power to control. What right did you have to decide that? After I didn't get caught for the first 15, I thought it was my right. I appointed myself judge, prosecutor, and jury. So I played God. End quote. So that's kind of his mentality on uh, on all that. He had a
0: God complex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, and he loved control. He didn't feel in control of his own life, so he mm-hmm. could control what
1: happened to these very vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Now, on July 23rd in 2001, the Associated Press actually ran an article listing the worst serial killers in the U.S. Harvey ranked number four. Yeah. He was followed by, so this is, he's ahead of, John Wayne Gacy, Patrick Kearney, Bruce Davis, and Dean Corll. And Gacy was eating his victims. Yeah. The fact that he ranks above Gacy, I don't know if I agree with that. But, yeah. Wow. Hmm. So Harvey, um, you know, he didn't get the death penalty, so he is actually up for parole in 2047. If he makes it, he will be 95 years old.
0: Let's hope he gets denied the parole. He does not need to be out.
1: (laughs) No, no. I mean, but, like... It seems like it's always the worst ones that end up making it. They live long lives, I so yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if we're, you know, 2047 rolls around and we see on the news or whatever. And really, that's only 26 years away. Angel of Death up for parole. But that's that's the story of Donald Harvey. The Angel of Death. Holy cow. I have I've never heard this story. I hadn't heard all the details of it. I definitely knew about the Angel of Death. I knew the you know, kind of gist of the story, but the details of it, I did not know, especially that part about the catheter. That disturbed me. That really bothered me <laughs> yeah, yeah, that bothered me. Well, um,
0: we've increased now our fears to rest mm-hmm. stops, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, catheters, cris- catheters Christmas <laughs> holidays, like
1: we just gotta. Gotta watch it out yeah, there. Yeah, it's you know it's a bad time oh, for everybody. Okay.
0: Whoa. Well, um, are we
1: gonna do a shout out? We are, and what a transition um, we're doing. Yeah. Right. I am gonna give a shout out to good old Columbus, Ohio.
0: Since we're talking about Ohio, since we've
1: been in Ohio for a little, we have also been in Kentucky. So another one I had I'd seen, and we've been having a lot of folks, and I can't remember if we've shouted you guys out yet before um, Independence, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll do two this week and hit both Kentucky and Ohio. Oh, that's exciting! <laughs> You're yeah, welcome. So you got it. And and
0: with all that you all went
1: through, you deserve that. Shout you do. From two random people in North Carolina. In North Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. Oh gosh, yeah. Wow.
0: Um, I you know I would love to hear folks' feedback on this story. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'd never heard of it, so yeah. this was new to me, mm-hmm. and. I Forgive me. I'm so, like, all about the details. Like, well, what happened then? What happened then? So mm-hmm. what do you guys, have you guys heard of this story? Let us know. Um,
1: how can they do that? Yeah, so you can send us an email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia. Or you can find us on Instagram at mountainmysteries.appalachia. And Holly, what are we going to hear about next week?
0: We are going to hear um, the tale of a young man who was the son of a prominent civic leader who got himself
1: into some trouble. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm on Halloween. Intrigued. Ooh, Halloween tale. I know. I it's now, not even
0: Halloween. I know. Now looking at this, I thought, man, I should have done this one for Halloween. No, but we'll find oh, another one. Alas. I'm excited. Me too. <laughs> me too. Well, y'all be careful out there, especially if you're doing a little hospital stay. Yeah, it's, I mean, I
1: try to stay out of the hospital with all this stay COVID. Stay away
0: from uh, those coat hangers and yeah. you know, be careful with that uh, catheter.
1: Oh, all whew. right. Well, <laughs> have a good week, y'all. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye.